Come on up here and get in that box in this boxcar there, young feller. Oh, okay. Um, train's going real fast. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. There you go. Hey, you I made it. Why don't you sit down and have some hobo stew? Oh, hey, cool. Thank. That's okay. There's shoelaces in it. A couple beans. Yeah. One yeah, of my fingers that just dropped off for some reason. I don't know. What's but the What's the broth? Is that broth? Is that motor oil? Is that motor oil? It's something. It's oil of oh. some sort. I don't oh. know. Yummy. Get closer to this tiny fire. Okay, so how long have you been you, riding the rails? Why don't you loosen them pants up a little bit? Yeah. Sit down what? easier. Just here, yeah. let me uh, grab your rope belt and loosen it. Yeah. There you go. Okay, sure, just to make why it more you, comfortable. Why don't you close your eyes a bit and I can tell you oh. the story about Boxcar Birdie. Oh. Or Betty. Or Bertha. Let's go with Bertha. <laughs> One of those. Yep. Now close your eyes. Lean uh, way back. Okay. everybody and welcome to late seating i am jason harding and i'm steve shibes and on this show we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation whether that reputation is good bad or no one's really heard of it and this time around no one's really heard of it huh steve <laughs> this time around its reputation is answer to a trivia question <laughs> we should have done battle beyond the stars we should have done battle beyond the stars that would have been great we didn't know that george papard wearing a cowboy hat his character is named Cowboy. It's like, <laughs> don't hurt yourself now. Don't, don't hurt yourself naming these characters. All right, we decided we're going to do a Roger Corman movie, and we're going to have to do this again. Because even though this movie that we reviewed is, re is directed by Martin Scorsese and produced by Robert, Roger Corman, he has, Roger Corman has more memorable movies than this, huh, Steve? And, there, well, and the, the thing is, there are so many. Like, we could do Thousands. Roger Corman again. But yeah, there are so many Roger Corman movies that, right that we now, should do if we're going to. At yeah. this second, Roger Corman is producing a movie. At the, when you're listening to this, even if you listen to this 10 years from now, Roger Corman's corpse is <laughs> producing a movie. Okay, what was the name of the movie that we unfortunately had to watch? We are, we watched and are going to review Boxcar Bertha. Woo! <laughs> what was the deal, Steve? What was the deal with boomers? Why did they all love these movies? The, the whole bunch of movies came out around this time that took place in the 1920s, 30s. Yeah. 30s, yeah. About criminals. They love them gangsters, man. They, love they romanticize baby yeah. pretty boy Floyd. They love No, and I'm not talking Mob about Barker. them. Not them. Not the organized crime guys. Not oh, the Italian you, mob. Oh, you mean like Bonnie and Clyde and stuff. Like Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. Bloody, what was it? Bloody Ma or Bloody Mary? It's another Corman film. Yeah. Shelley, oh, Shelley yeah. Winters. Well, no, yeah, and that was that was based on Ma Barker, was that with yeah, Shelley Ma, Winters? Yeah. On Ma yeah. Barker and you know, Babyface Nelson and yeah. John was Dillinger. The, John Dillinger and all this other shit. Yeah. They'd, they'd make a movie about him and then they die at the end, and everyone would be like sad yeah. see that coming <laughs> but they were you know they were tilting against authority or some other bullshit yeah, when all they, really they were, were just were, like they were just like robin hood except they no, murdered people except they were craven murderers and they except deserved they, were they got they got what they deserved <laughs> they were murderers <laughs> 
They weren't anti-heroes. They weren't fighting against the man for the common common good of other people. They were people who were driven to robbery because they had low moral values. Bunny and Clyde <laughs> were a couple of degenerates. <laughs> they were murderers. Mm-hmm. But now we got this. We got we got Boscar Bertha, a made-up one this time. Yes, yes. Look at you stealing my trivia, getting me back for all those times I stole your trivia. That's right. I went to the future, listened to the podcast, saw what you saw from me. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah. Do you have any trivia about blah, 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 blah? About a booba, booba, booba? About booba, I do have some trivia about booba, booba. And actually, I'll, I'll start with the one you just referenced. Um, okay. So the movie begins with a title claiming it's based on the true experiences of Boxcar Bertha. Oh, God. There was no such person. <laughs> there was no Boxcar Bertha. It is it is adapted from a book called Sister of the Road sure. that is sub that is subtitled The Autobiography of Boxcar Bertha, but the book is a work of fiction. A complete fiction. Um, yeah. Uh the author Ben Reitman based the character of Bertha on a few real people that he knew, but the story is fiction and the character of Bertha is a made-up person. Right. Um at one point uh it was claimed that Roger Corman's wife, Julie, had gone to the home of the real Bertha, had no. tracked her down and no, had gone to her house. No. And was and was trying to obtain the film rights from this her in person, <laughs> but she was but she was unable to do so because Bertha wouldn't open the door. And obviously, it was all yes, bullshit. This didn't there, this didn't happen because but Roger Corman's wife Roger Corman's wife didn't go to Bertha's house because Bertha didn't have a house because there wasn't mm -hmm. no Bertha. Yeah, Corman um, didn't even have a wife. No. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Corman's not even his name. Uh, Corman's been mar happily married for years. Yeah. I don't know if he's married now. I think his wife is dead. Um, what else, Steve? What other trivia? Um, okay, well, so this was this was directed by Martin Scorsese. This was his second feature film. And this was work for hire yes, for it was. Scorsese. Um, and uh, Scorsese, in talking about it years later, he said Roger Corman hired him to direct the movie and told him that he was free to change the script however he wanted yep. as long as there was nudity every 15 pages <laughs> uh, roger corman disputes this yes he does he says i told him to include two or three nude scenes i didn't say it had to be every 15 pages so mm -hmm. same idea but not quite as strict it's not right. like he was it's not like he was watching the edit with a timer with a stopwatch going, ah, no, 15 minutes. Where's the tits? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know. And then um, a woman would just walk out unprompted, completely naked <laughs> through the scene and then exit the other side. Exactly. Exactly. She was one of the union um, busters, except all she had was a billy club and no clothes on. Just completely stark naked. Just kind of yeah. ineffectually. Uh, and uh. she would just just kind of taps David Carradine on the forehead and goes, eh, bad, stop it. Stop organizing. <laughs> okay, next, Steve. Um, here's Because the there must thing. be tons of trivia for this movie. Not as much as you would think. Scorsese had um, a very high opinion, of course. Oh, yes. Well, so, as a lot of people do. I mean, he... You know, like for, most for, of Hollywood does, because they all worked for him at some point. For, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, for someone whose career has mostly been spent producing, you know, sort of 
low like B and C grade movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's very he's very well respected. Um, because he won't yeah. hire stars, he would hire people who didn't have a lot of work, like Jack Nicholson That's and right. Peter Fonda yeah, and absolutely. other people, and put him in their movie and put him in his films early on in their career, which helped get their foot in the door because they would have something to put on their resume, right? Yeah, and a lot of people would see Corman on your resume and go, "Hey, you know, Roger hired you. That's great." And whether that that was whether you're an actor, a producer, a best boy, a gaffer, a sound mixer, an yeah. editor, whatever you were, you could get a you know, you could get a job through Roger because he produced 18 movies a year. Oh yeah, yeah. Who else? Who else has gone through his camp? It was uh, oh, Jesus. Jesus. There's one guy in particular, well, Ron Howard. Um, yes. Who directed Silence of the Lambs? It was uh, oh Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi, yeah, and, yeah. And you'll see Roger Corman appearing in their movies, playing. Somebody That's right, yeah. Because they're like, hey, Roger, why don't you come here and be a senator in Silence of the Lambs? And he's like, okay, I would very much like to do that. And he I would, would like go- some money, yes, very much. Give me some money, I will be in your movie. <laughs> but he also does it because he's still friends with these people of course of course so yeah anyway yeah more trivia okay so the the film is set during the great depression but all the money seen in the film is clearly from the 60s and 70s yes it is and it's real money it's real money because <laughs> apparently scorsese likes using real money in his movies he can't what be if, oh money. my god <laughs> is that it is are you gonna end on fake money um or real money I have some fake money right here. I can show you. If you... I don't need to see your fake money. Okay. It's, it's okay. very realistic. They could have used it in Goodfellas. It would have been fine. Just anyway, leave it on the dresser um, before you I... leave. <laughs> I'll pay... you're, a, you're a fake sex worker. I will pay you with fake money. Thank you. Um, okay. Last bit of trivia. Barbara Hershey and David Carradine were a couple at the time of filming. Were they? Yes, they were. And Barbara Hershey said they, that they filmed their sex scenes, quote, without having to fake anything. Okay. Sure. As opposed to when they actually had sex. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure David Carradine was great in bed. I'm sure David Carradine remembered having a girlfriend that was Barbara Hershey for a long time. I bet he did. <laughs> Is that it? That's everything? Barbara Here's Hershey a, just, and David Carradine I, were fucking? We're fucking like two horny rabbits for the whole movie, apparently. Here's, here's my question. Okay. And it's not a it's not a it's not a trivia thing. Sure. But you know, okay, so Barbara Hershey existed in the 70s. Yes, she did. Catherine Ross existed in the 70s. She did. Yes, she did as well. Why did Allie McGraw get any work at all? <laughs> she was the one that wouldn't show her boobies. Not just that, she was the one who was a terrible actor. Yes. She so? was the same same physical type as Catherine Ross. And Barbara Hershey, both both clearly superior actors. Sure. What was the deal with Ally McGraw? Pick anything out of a hat, Steve. She sucked the best dick, and the producer was like, just, "You got the part, just, kid." I, she she was the relative of someone of somebody. I don't take get your it. pick. They I cast don't. purely on aesthetic, right? apparently, and that's where. <laughs> anyway, a, I just want name another Ally. Name another Ally to... McGraw movie. Name one. <gasps> What, what, the getaway? Oh, is she in that? Yeah. Okay, great. Good for you. I couldn't name one if I tried. And she was on Dynasty. Never watched that, and I don't, who cares about the Dynasty? Oh, I love it. You want to know who made it? Yes, let's talk about who made Boxcar Bertha. It was directed by a nobody by the name of Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Never amounted to anything. 
who cast himself as one of the Johns. Yes, he did. That was his Hitchcock cameo. He's one of the Johns in the um, the brothel near the I'm end. I'm glad yeah. he got over that. I'm so glad he got over that. Oh, he could get away with it when no, one, when no one knew yeah. what he looked like. It was fine. But by the That's time true. he by the time he got to I'm so glad he's not wandering around in Last Temptation of Christ as somebody. That's like hey. one of the disciples. Hey, look at that up there. That guy hanging up there. I bet that's Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, he, he should have been the John Wayne guy. He should have been the guard. Truly, this was the king of the Jews. Should have been his character from Taxi Driver. <laughs> hey, Jesus, you ever see what a 45 does to a woman's pussy? You should see that. <laughs> that you should see. Anyway, we all know who Martin Scorsese is. Don't make me say it. Jeez, don't make me insult your intelligence by going over his movie list. Screenplay by Joyce H. Carrington and John William Cor- Oh, I'm sorry, Corrington and John William Corrington. They're a writing team, and they've mostly done soap operas. Based on Sister of the Road by Ben L. Reitman. Thanks for stealing that right out of my part, Steve. Produced, <laughs> produced by Roger Corvin, who's also known as the Pope of Pop Cinema, the Spiritual Godfather of the New Hollywood, and the King of Cult. I take umbrage to all of those because Roger Corman, as near as I can tell, is a decent man. Yes. <laughs> who he, treats yeah, people he, fairly. <laughs> he does not have like a bad reputation as like being difficult to work with or being uh, you know shitty to people. Yeah. If he did, people wouldn't remember f- him fondly from the time that they made that $50,000 piece of shit movie. <laughs> right. And now they're making big budget Hollywood movies with these asshole producers. And they go, God, God, I wish I could go back and just work on one goddamn Roger Corman movie where he had a nice, pleasant smile. He wasn't drunk. There weren't, you know, children <laughs> hanging around in loose clothing for some reason in his office. You know, not like now, like yeah. that last meeting with Weinstein, <laughs> where he wouldn't close close his robe. It's like you meet him; he's wearing a sweater and a sh- he's dressed like Mister Fucking Rogers. Yeah, and he makes some of the worst B movies you could possibly imagine. But he's a decent guy. He's made a living out of making awful films, and everyone fucking loves him. Yeah, I'd die happy. With that reputation, even if I never absolutely made a single movie that ever, ever was mentioned. Absolutely. Well, he's, Acad- he's he's had the dream career. Who gives a shit if the movies are, are are good or not? He's he's gotten to spend his entire life making movies. Yeah. More or less making the movies he wanted to make. Yeah. Like, exactly. What, how can you beat that? Aping Hollywood. Jurassic Park comes out and he makes Carnosaur. Yes. Carnosaur. What was the plot of Carnosaur? Diane Lane, Diane Lane, no, Diane Ladd. Diane Ladd, yeah. Ha, ha, is impregnating women with chicken eggs? No, they're like, is that, am I thinking of the right movie where I'm they burst sure. out of people like alien? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure which one. I haven't is. seen Carnosaur be, since I'm, like 1995. So goofy, stupid shit. He's like a less repulsive tra- uh, trauma guy, right? Yes, that's the a good guy, way to put it. The yeah. guy from Trauma, he made kind of icky movies. Although apparently Lloyd Kaufman is a nice, is another one of those nice guys. He makes severely gross movies through Trauma, or really just yeah. really stupid, dippy shit. But he winds up as 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 uh, you know these little tiny cameo parts, and these other directors who work for him, who went like James Gunn. 
who went on to do much bigger things after after leaving Troma. Yes, um, indeed. But Corman is the king. Corman is the one that that has influenced so many actors, producers, you know, technical people. He's been a lot of people's first. He's been a lot of people's first job, yeah. and uh, he's great. And we're going to do another one of his movies. We'll do Battle Beyond the Stars. You'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'll show you all. You'll get it. Uh, starring Barbara Hershey as Boxcar Bertha, and she's been in Hannah and Her Sisters and Last Temptation of Christ and Black Swan. You ever think Martin Scorsese walked up to her during, while she's playing Mary Magdalene in Last Temptation of Christ and went, hey, remember that picture we made 20 years ago? <laughs> remember Boxcar Bertha? Yeah. You still with David? No? Okay. <laughs> David Carradine is Big Bill Shelley, and you remember from Kung Fu and Kill Bill, and that's about it. And he, uh, Kung Fu: what? The Legend continues as well, my friend. Uh, fuck you! Continues. Oh boy! After I don't think he ever made it huge. He never had a huge movie, did he? No, 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 no. He has a legacy of making nothing but, you know, with the exception of Kill Bill, low budget garbage. Yeah, for nearly forty years, he did. He did. Yeah, he he did like a lot of low budget B movie stuff in the seventies. He and and TV, and then he did a lot of TV in the eighties and nineties. And I can't and remember he got Kill Bill and yeah. yeah, I can't remember who uh, Tarantino wanted. Um, oh, and before before, before uh, Carradine, yeah. I can't remember who it is. But yeah, yeah. well, okay. he got David Carradine, and he should be thankful for it. <laughs> Because Carradine didn't live too much longer after that. No, no, but that's his fault, not anybody else's. Yeah, Barry, that's. Yeah, I kind of think so. Yeah. Barry Primus is Rake Brown, and he's been in movies like American Hustle and uh, Grudge Match and The Irishman. Hey, uh, John Carradine hmm, as Sartorius. <laughs> That's wizard reverse of nepotism. Sartorius, <laughs> wizard of the fifth dimension, scourge of the plains of Abermite. Behold his mighty staff of Asronel. <laughs> Sounds like a character John Carradine would have played no. in, an even, in, <laughs> in, an even, in an even cheaper movie than this. It sounds like stock footage that someone bought from a movie that was never produced of John Carradine sitting in a chair and they kind of edit him into the movie. They Bella Lugosi him into the movie. Yeah, they, they, that's yeah. it's happened. It's yeah. happened with him. Um, he's been in too many movies to to yeah. mention, and then he, he spewed out a bunch of mewling whelps that infected the movie <laughs> industry. Front, he did. What is aside from David Carradine? What was the other There's one? Keith. Uh, huh. Keith. Yeah. Keith, Keith. Carradine. Keith, the one that's arguably more attractive than his other son, his other siblings, and then the one that was in Revenge of the Nerds. I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, yeah, was that Robert? Yeah, Robert Carradine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Victor boy, Art. Imagine being the least successful Carradine brother. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Roger, Victor Argo as MacGyver. No, as McIver. <laughs> Number one, and he's been in Taxi Driver and Mean Streets and Last Temptation. They all got him and Barbara Ooh. Hershey and Martin Scorsese could all get together and talk about all their fun times. It was a boxcar birth reunion. Who, who knew? Mm -hmm. And David Osterhout as MacGyver, too. Oh, I missed somebody in the lineup. You missed uh, Bernie Casey, didn't you? Yeah, I missed Bernie Casey as Von Morton. And he was in Revenge of the Nerds. I wonder if he went up and said, I was in a movie with your brother and 
your dad in in boxcar bertha get well well okay fine you don't have to talk to me but he's been (laughs) going he's he's been in tons of stuff yes tons of stuff and uh he should he should have been lando calrissian um (laughs) would have been good he would have been good it would have been good um but Revenge of the Nerds under siege. He was in Deep Space Nine a couple of times. Um, yeah, he's got. I like him. Yeah. Um, cinematography by John Steffens, and he was a cinematographer on Blackula, Ski Patrol, and Sorcerer. You ever seen Sorcerer? I have not seen Sorcerer. No. You know what it's about? Just it's, take gonna, a wild I'm gonna, guess. I'm going to guess a sorcerer. Nope, not a sorcerer. It's about someone driving nitroglycerin. Oh. Hmm. That's more interesting than I was picturing in my head. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Edited by Buzz Buzz Fight Chans. Okay, <laughs> whatever works. Um, and that's his only editing credit. He was like a producer. He did other things. Um, music by Gib Gib Guibo. Or Guibo, 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 Gil Guibo, Gib Guibo. Sure, fuck it. A well-known Hobbit, Gib Guibo. (laughs) He's he's a uh, Cajun country rock musician, and uh, he was a member of the following bands: Nashville West, Swamp Water, and the Mm. Flying Burrito Brothers. Ah, Nashville West. They were just weren't trying. <laughs> what are we going to call our band? I don't fucking know. <laughs> How about we just call it Swamp Water? Okay, well, fine. Well, fuck it. Who cares? We're not going anywhere. Isn't that a little on the nose for a Cajun band? Shut up. Fuck you. How we? How about we could just call it Inbred? Get it over with. What? Kick him out. You're fired from the band. <laughs> Also music by Thad Maxwell, nothing. Production company, American International Pictures. Distributed by American International Pictures. Release date June 14th, 1972. Running time, 87 blessed minutes. (laughs) Budget, $600,000 or $4.02 million. So Steve. Yes, my friend. You ready to put on a pair of overalls with no shirt? (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe get into a chain gang. Maybe nice great great big old straw hats. You ready to hold up a hold up a a train for all of its money? I'm and so then, ready. For some reason, live in an abandoned house. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's me and you go into the world. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna. Oh, honey. How about we do what this the quickest <laughs> recap we've ever done? Let's make this let's make let's, this podcast 25 minutes long. And then we can go sprint go, through it. Go back and talk about The Last of Us some more. We can <laughs> Are you ready to run into the world of boxcar burfa? I'm ready, Steve. Yes. Take it away. Oh boy. Well, there's okay. So there's um we there's boxcar Bertha and there she is, and there's a guy flying an airplane. That's her papa. That's her papa. And also there's some guys working on a railroad 
over to the side. Um, yeah, that, watching her. And, that, and that's that's uh, because when she and, and scratches Vaughn. her leg, she lifts her skirt all the way up to her armpit to do it. And they're like, I gotta, <laughs> please, boss, can I stop to masturbate? No, you cannot. <laughs> but oh, I really want to. Um, and she's there with Von Morton, her friend, yeah. her. Yeah, she works for her dad. Right. He know. Yeah. And so so her dad is like a crop duster. Mm-hmm. And he lands his airplane and he gets out of the airplane and he walks up to the guy who hired him to dust his crops. And he's like, hey, my plane is broken. I can't fly anymore. If I fly my broken plane, it's going to crash. And the, the boss is like, I don't care. You fly your broken plane. I'm paying you to fly, not paying. I'm you the richest fly. farmer ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm out here in three piece suit and watch chain and monocle in the mm-hmm. field. <laughs> no one's going to fuck up my alfalfa empire of a single field yeah, of no. That's right. Okay, here's the thing. There's no crops. Do you see any crops there? For I, him to, not, to I, be? No, 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 <laughs> a, not so it's much a tree and a, a bunch of grass. That's it. He's so like, but yeah, so he says he says, well, I can't I'm. So Brock's Bertha, his daughter, hears this conversation and she says, well, daddy, you can't go back up into the sky because your plane will crash. And he's like, what am I going to do? I need money. That's right. I have, you know, so he gets back in his plane and he takes off and immediately crashes. That's right. <laughs> and the and the the people are digging the ditch run over and she screams because her daddy's dead. Yeah. And then we get 1930s credits with like mm-hmm. or 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 maybe like 1970s TV show credits. It depends on what frame of reference. We yeah. get like pictures of all the characters and their names and yes. You know. So we know who they are and who they're playing. Yeah. Then we see Bertha jump onto a boxcar. Yeah. Hence the name. Mm-hmm. Onto get a used moving, to that. moving train. Every time I saw anyone doing anything next to a moving train, I'm like, how are they alive? <laughs> How are they alive? There's a scene where she's running along a train and I am certain, oh, she's just going to fall right underneath it and die. Good way to go, Scorsese. (laughs) Thanks, Martin Scorsese. You just killed Barbara Hershey. Good job. But they show her jump onto a train and then she winds up at a station and there David Carradine is standing up in front of all the workers. Yeah. And he's he's like, you don't want the boss man to get all your money, do you? And they're like, no. You don't want the boss man to come over to your house and fuck you and fuck your wife right in front of your children, do you? And they're like, what? Yeah. Does that happen? He's like, of course the, it does. <laughs> these are the, the R-rated lyrics to Talking sure. Union. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the boss man to eat your pets and shit down your grandmother's throat, do you? When does that happen? Just does that ever no. happen? <laughs> And he whips these guys up into a froth, and the the two MacGyver guys are there. MacGyver, yeah. MacGyver. I'm just yeah. going to say it every time we see them. MacGyver, or, 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 or or as I like to call them, Laurel and Hardy with shotguns. Sure. And uh, he whips all these workers up in a froth, froth, and they attack the police guys who are trying to suppress the union. And just like a typical union yeah, rabble rouser, he runs off. He he sneaks off in the opposite direction. Oh, good luck, everybody. His job is done. And uh, Boxcar Bertha walks up to him and goes, hey, I don't think I even mentioned the fact of the time that you were there when my daddy died. Right? (laughs) I remember you from when my dad's plane crashed. And he's like, hey, you want to? And he loads her up into a boxcar. Right? And he fucks her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. He's like, trust me, you'll like it. No, believe me, you'll really dig it. Even if, because he, he asked her, "Have you ever been with other men?" Does she say yes? I, 
I can't remember. Whatever. Then they have a really awkwardly cut sex scene. It doesn't matter if they actually did it or not. It you can't really tell. You can't, you really, can't really tell. Really, yeah. Um, but when she wakes up the next morning completely naked, he's gone and he's put money in her shoe. Yay. What a nice guy. What a great guy. And then nice. He's, he's, he's a good guy. I'll treat her like a prostitute. Why not? And so I'm sure he was just doing it so that she could be nice. Then she gets off at a stop and there's some people playing craps. And she just has the best streak ever captured on film, or she just keeps winning the money, right? Yeah. And there's a, a well-dressed guy who's not saying anything, and he gets up, and she she walks over to him and says, "I hope you're not upset, Mister, that I kept winning." And he's not saying anything. Are you are you mute? Did you get kicked in the throat by a mule? What happened? And he's still <laughs> not saying anything. And she's like, well, if you're going to be rude about it, then you can go fuck yourself. And he goes, fuck you, too. And everyone realizes, oh, my God, he's a Yankee. He's from up north. Oh, no. But they get out of it. Nothing happens. She just, what did they what do they do to get him out of that? Doesn't she say something like he's got a speech impediment? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. And and then she they they get off by themselves and she says basically, I can teach you how to talk with mm-hmm. a southern accent. But now and yeah. Yeah. He's going to use her to uh, distract some people at a card game. Yeah, but and he, yeah, so he yeah, cuz he's a gambler, but yeah. also he's a cheat. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, and so there's yeah. a lawyer, a couple of lawyers, and they're playing poker. And then they see that he cheated. And that one of the guys pulls out a gun. He's going to shoot him. And this guy's name is Rake, right? Yeah. And we, you should mention they catch him cheating for the dumbest reason possible. What is that dumb reason? Well, he's he's he. The way he's cheating is he's when it's his turn to deal, he switches the cards. So he has That's his right. own deck of cards. That's right. You his deck of cards. His deck of cards is a different color oh, than no. the cards that they're playing with. So, so he's dumb. <laughs> it's kind of an idiot. Yeah. It's little, they, it's kind of a, it's kind of obvious when you switch the decks yeah. and yours is a different color. People are probably going to notice that. Mm-hmm. So uh, then he shoots the lawyer. The lawyer dies. They take the money and they're hiding out. Meanwhile, the MacGyvers have come and they're burning. <laughs> they're, they're burning down people's tents for some reason. Yeah. Because the railroad people are just bad. Railroads just... don't they don't like hobos. They don't want these hobos riding their trains. Mm-hmm. So and they're so fucking they, up the hobo camp. They try to get away, they jump into a train, and oh look, Bill's there. Small and world. even though we've implied that Boxcar Bertha has already slept with Rake, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason, she goes right back mm-hmm. into the arms of Bill, and Bill's like, "Hey, how you doing?" But then, oh no, railroad men are coming, and they're gonna they're gonna arrest everybody. But Bertha gets away, and now everybody's in jail. But who's in jail with them? Who's going crazy um, on the on the harmonica? Oh yeah, it's 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 Vaughn, uh, Bernie Casey. Yeah. That's right. And Bill goes up to talk to Vaughn, and he says, "Hey, remember that time we saw a guy crash an airplane and die?" And I fucked like, his daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's her right over. Remember her in some filthy straw, and I left a couple of bucks for. Isn't it great? <laughs> Life's funny, isn't it? And and then the MacGyvers come and kill everybody. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. What happens? They get upset because a white man's talking to a black dude. I think. Oh, that's right. When they're in jail, yeah. That's the, right. The, 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 the MacGyvers come in and notice that because the sheriff is already being racist. Like the cops yes, are already course. racist. And then the MacGyvers come in and they're like, hey, 
go beat up that white guy for talking to that black guy. And the cops are like, oh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what they do. And then but they don't kill they don't kill Bill or Von Orton. They just shoot everybody else. Now we cut to a chain gang, and apparently we were in dire need of ditches in the 1920s and 30s. That's all them. That's all chain gang seems to ever be doing is digging ditches. Digging and that's ditches. What, and that's what they do. But then from out of nowhere comes Boxcar Bertha driving a brand new, uh, well, but driving a car, number one, dressed like a lady, number two. Yep. Um, although the last time we saw her, she was running away from a boxcar. Had she find out where they were? I don't know. How'd she get a car in her dress? I don't know. <laughs> do you know, you can, Steve? You can do anything during the time skip in a movie. <laughs> anyway, so they distract. She distracts the guard and then they knock out the guard and then they all get away in the Model T, right? And she's yes. brought them some food, but then they get chased by a newer car. The Packard is, it's either Packard or I'm not quite sure it is. And there's a chase scene. And then he goes into a river after over ending. That guy should be dead, but he's not. And then they all get dressed up in regular clothes and they push their Model T in front of a train. And then they rob the train, right? Yeah. And then they drive the train to the station and in full view of everybody run away from the train. <laughs> and uh they got money now and uh doesn't bill try to take it to the union some of it to the yeah well he he does yeah they have they have an argument over like you know what they're going to do next and bill Mm -hmm. says i'm taking my share to the union and they're like well fuck you bill and that's what he does he goes to the union and he says here have some money yeah but does the union want the money no because bill's a criminal no 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 that's right. They can't take it because he's a criminal. He's like, oh, shucks. So <laughs> guess I'll have to keep the money. Oh, well, they go back to this old church that they're hiding out in. And then they start robbing everybody. Yeah. Banks and more banks. And the MacGyvers are after them. And at one time, don't the MacGyvers catch up to them? And and Boxcar Bertha makes her sit up and sit down and sit up and sit down real fast because she thinks it's funny. And there's a great cut scene where she's like, oh, sit down faster, sit up, sit down. And then we cut immediately to John Carradine saying, sit down <laughs> to the two guys. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, because this is, yeah. And John Carradine is like the railroad baron. And he's like, I am Sartorius, railroad baron and wizard of the ninth, ninth level of the house of a terrace. And he wants tell, to call. Tell, tell my son to stop robbing my stuff. Right. Then we have another sex scene. <laughs> Yeah. There's no yeah in any of these sex scenes. Yeah, watching, it's super sexy. You're watching David Carradine paw over a girl that <laughs> looks like she's 12, for God's sake. <laughs> it's like watch it's like watching a shaved orangutan molest a melon. It's not it's, it's just gross and it's weirdly sh- it's weirdly shot and goes on way too long. Oh my god. And then uh, Rake and Von Orton come up, and why is the house covered in crepe paper? It's for, to make it more festive. I have no idea. <laughs> they could tell anybody, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, bank robbers on the lamb live here. It's got like paper lanterns, and I think we're missing a scene, like maybe they got married or something. I don't know. But they say, hey, let's rob Sartorus. Yeah. Right? 
So Rick gets up dressed up in a tuxedo where they get, I don't know that, I don't know. Barbara Hershey wears a dress that doesn't fit her where they get that, I don't, I don't know. And uh, Von Orton dresses up like a chauffeur. Where'd they get that? I don't know. Where'd they get the car? They dro- I don't know. Shut up. Shut up. This is the scene where they really stick it to the man and they steal everybody's jewelry. Yeah. And Sartorius has some words with Bill, but no one gets shot and they get away. Right? Yeah. We steal everybody's jewelry. And the scene is very long. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. And then they decide, oh, let's stick it to Sartorius again. He's in his train car. We're going to decouple the train car off of the off the engine, and we're going to bust in, and we're going we're to rob him again. But uh-oh, what happens? It's a trap. It's a trap. And poor Rake eats a shotgun. Well, yeah, takes a shotgun in does. his stomach. Um, and he's dead. He's dead. And but they who gets away? The- Bertha gets away. Wow. She runs and runs and runs. That's right. But David Carradine gets arrested. Von Orton gets arrested. She lives inside of the abandoned house for a little while. And then she gets picked up by a woman in town and says, I I can help you. And now she's a prostitute. Yeah, she gets she gets taken to the house, which turns out to be uh, 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 a house of ill repute. That's right. That's right. And she and and she realizes, oh, I've just been sex trafficked. (laughs) That's what this is. But it's okay because apparently it's it's okay. Sex trafficking isn't bad. I mean, you have clients like Martin Scorsese or the anthropologist guy. Yeah, the anthropologist guy who's just doing Mm -hmm. some homework. That's all. Meanwhile, in the chain gang, people are beating up um, um, Bill. Yeah, because he keeps mouthing off to the guards. Yeah. Vaughn's like, we, just stop mouthing off to the guards, dumbass. We cut away for all of the prostitution scenes <laughs> where she's just like, I'm a prostitute all the time. I did. But then she walks past the bar. She goes inside the bar. And who's in the bar? It's Vaughn. And it's a black bar. Playing his harmonica. Yeah. And she's and the only the white person like, in there. We'll let yeah. the white girl in, but that don't matter. And they start talking, right? Yeah. And it turns out Bill isn't in prison. Where's Bill? <laughs> He's living in a little house in the woods. Mm-hmm. Working on his memoirs or, so- <laughs> or something. something. I don't he's know. writing something. Yeah. So they say, I'll take you out there and you can go see him. And she comes up and she's like, Bill. And they're so happy to see each other. And how many years have passed? I have no him. idea. It's played as though it's been a long time, but it's Bill not has, really. is wearing glasses and he yeah. has graying temples. Right. And, and the the way Vaughn describes him, he sounds like he's on fucking death's door. I know. Vaughn's like, oh, he's he's not doing well at all. He's really bad. And then they get to his house, and he just seems fine. <laughs> Older, but fine. And we have this tearful reunion, and Von Orton's waiting outside, and he just disappears. Um, because who yeah. comes through the door before we have another sex scene? The MacGyvers. M- MacGyvers. Dun, dun, dun. And- and they beat him up. They beat yeah. him up. And the one with the Hitler mustache goes, what are we going to do with him? And they're like, I know. I know. We'll crucify him. We'll crucify him on the boxcar. So they put him on a boxcar and they crucify him with railroad spikes. Symbolism. And that kills him. Yes. And and boxcar Bertha goes, Bill. And one of the goobers was doing the nail and walks up, gets a surprise look on his face. And then he gets like a shotgun because Von Orton has come to save the movie. <laughs> yeah. 
He he just ran off to get his shotgun and he came right back. That's right. And he kills all the motherfuckers. Everybody. Oh, Everybody boy. dies. Um, in fact, the, the main MacGyver, he gets shot point blank in the chest with a shotgun, but lives. Yeah. And then and he gets, gets another one. And uh, Von Orton's like, come on, Bach, Bach, come on, come on this way. And she's like, no. And the train's taken off and she's running at David Carradine's feet because he's still, you know, crucified on the side of the boxcar. Uh-huh. And she's running at his feet. And then the you know, the train gains speed and leaves her behind a stunt that both David Carradine had to be okay with. And Barbara Hershey had to be okay yes. with because at any moment, either one of them could have died because <laughs> it was a train, a real train, a real train, really <laughs> moving. But then he pulls away. She's left in the background. The end <laughs> movie over movie movie fucking over. I think that's our fastest recap. Yeah. Well, you said we were going to, yeah, it was. <laughs> we sprinted through it. There wasn't a whole lot to this movie, was there? Not really. Not really. Okay, Steve. What uh-huh. did you think about this piece of shit? <laughs> I don't. I, go yeah, go. No, what are you going to say? Well, no, I, I don't think it's a piece of shit. Um, I don't love it's it. A, I don't think it's like. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I think I think it's an it's it's an interesting movie. Okay. It's um, one of those pieces of shit that has stuff in it. And you're like, what in the world is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, I mean, it's early Scorsese. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier, it's work for hire Scorsese. He's still figuring out his style and his voice as a director. He's, he's you know, kind of trying things out. Um, he's obviously working on a very small budget. And when they don't have the money to show something on screen, they just have it happen off screen and cut like the plane crash, like the plane crash, which is so fragmentary. It's like plane in sky scream plane on ground. Like that's (laughs) crashing sound, (laughs) crashing sound plane on ground. And it's like, it's, it's so abrupt that it's funny because it's like, I mean, it's like the plane is on the ground. Her dad is like sprawled on the on the in the grass, <laughs> and it's like, oh fuck, that didn't take long at all, did it? Yeah, they're not getting um, a death scene like in the Great Waldo Pepper. This no, is just like quick cuts because they can't afford to destroy the plane. We don't have budget for that. This shit is happening off screen. Yeah. Um, you know what they did they, have budget for? Trains. Trains. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the railroad that they it's a, it's an actual railroad. The reader railroad is a real it was a real railroad. Yes, I'm it was. Sure, I, they, I guess they didn't mind being portrayed as the villains in the movie. <laughs> they were um, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> the railroad doesn't have the best reputation with the, the labor Steve, movement, does it? Steve um, and I have both professed our love of trains. Absolutely. But we both have to acknowledge that there was a certain time in American history where the train companies were some of the most evil motherfuckers you could oh possibly God. imagine. They had they they there were people who worked for the railroad whose job was to find people stowing away on the trains and kill them. That's right. And kill like, them. <laughs> that's that's not a very nice corporation. We're like, hey, your find- job is to find to find, to find people and kill them. <laughs> to find hobos that were underneath the the boxcar hiding from the Friday, hiding from the, uh, what did they used to call them? Um, not rousters. I can't remember what they called them. The roustabouts? The right thing, maybe. Um, but to hide with them, they would hide underneath the train um, yeah. where the tracks not were. Safe. And, and <laughs> they would take a bar and 
lower it on a chain underneath the train and would bounce up and down and kill those guys and knock them off. And then they go under the wheels. And it was a pretty common occurrence that little children would find corpses on the railroad tracks. Yes. And think about this. These are the people at the very bottom of society. Yes, they are. These are the the, the poorest. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, and and the railroad's reaction was, we have to kill them. And what did we do? We romanticized them. They got oh, fucked yeah. in both directions. Yeah. They got fucked by the railroad people whose job was to kill them. And they got fucked by society who turned their hobo lifestyle into a romance. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it, it be nice to ride the rails and see the country? Like, no, dumbass. They did that because they had nothing. The song, they had nothing. The song Big Rock Candy Mountain isn't a children's song. No. If you pay attention to the lyrics, it is a song sung by a hobo imagining a land of free food. Yes. That's it. <laughs> but oh, no, they had signs. It said, this place is friendly and this place is, oh, isn't that neat? It's like they literally had to notify each other which towns would kill them yes. if they walked into town. So, or which houses were friendly to hobos? Maybe give them a handout. Maybe give them some some work to do. You know, maybe give them a pie to take with them when they when they had to eventually leave because the sheriff was going to kill them. And <laughs> it wasn't a good life, is what I'm saying. It wasn't. No, it was not fun. No, they weren't um, friendly hobos eating their can of beans. Living, living free wearing a, a fucking stovepipe hat with the top flipped open you know exactly anyway, fingerless you were, gloves um, you were saying yeah, Steve. yeah well so yeah um you are not really a fan of david carradine um i like him as an actor i think david I carradine know. is good um i always i thought he was good and killed bill but i mean that's after what 40 50 years of practice <laughs> I like him. I like him as an actor. Um, no, did you like him in Metal Storm, The Revenge of Jareth? I don't even know if that's a no, real movie. No, I don't it, know if it, that's it probably a real movie. is. It probably is, and he was probably in it. Did you like um, him in Metal Arm, the arm that shoots <laughs> lasers? <laughs> I told you already. I liked him in Kung Fu. The legend like continues in all of those movies where he's visibly drunk on screen. I liked him as the villain in uh, North and South as the evil plantation owner. Okay. So good in that. So good in that. But All anyway, right. All um, right. He was fine in this. Yeah, he was fine. Was, but see that, that was my point. Um, he's fine in this. Everybody is fine in this. Yes. Nobody's nobody's great. Everybody's just kind of fine. They're all fine. Um, the movie itself. It's not camp. Um Mm-mm. It has the aesthetic and the trappings of an exploitation movie, sex and violence. Because it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah it, it basically it was. I mean, that's there's I, I don't know what other category you would put it in. But and it has the, the whole movie of, oh. was like, come see this movie. Maybe you'll see Barbara Hershey's Pusey. It was like that was the that was the way you could Barbara Hershey's Pusey. Oh, I do hope I get to see her. But I mean, that was like, oh boy, let's go see it, and we'll be able to see her naked. Wouldn't that be yeah. great? Well, and that's the thing. It has it has sex and violence. It has lurid subject matter. They're sure. criminals doing crimes, you know. Um, it has just the barest hint of very rough social commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, with the union, union and the, yeah, yeah, and the freaking MacGyvers. 
Yeah. But the thing that strikes me about it is it doesn't really seem interested in any of those things. Well, it wasn't um, by, by, by design. In, in most exploitation movies, the action and the violence and the sex are the main points of interest. They're meant to be shocking or titillating. Um, Steve, let's be honest. Most of the exploitation movies, that's what they sold. But what you got were a lot of static shots of people oh, sure. saying nothing to one another. They were like Godzilla movies without Godzilla. Yeah. Or, you know, or like, interesting where's, characters or anything. Where's, God's, where's Godzilla? Um, it was like if you were watching a women in jail film and the cover had two women tearing their clothes off, you had a fight, no clothes were torn off, and the rest of it were two women talking about some other person. <laughs> or like planning on what how, what books they were going to order in the prison library. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so like with this movie, I mean, there there is a good bit of violence, but I mean, there's nothing like especially gruesome. Like there are some gunshots, but the blood is so bright red. It's like it's classic 70s obvious blood. paint, yes. Yeah, you know, so it's nothing too like, oh my God. Um, like you were saying about the sex scenes, like the, the sex scenes aren't really all that, like there's nothing pornographic. There's nothing, you know, like the, I can imagine if somebody bought a ticket to see the movie, hoping for to see the sex scenes they would probably be disappointed they were happy um, to see the boobies they just wanted to see them boobies that's what they wanted to remember is this is 72 boxcar boobies it's 72 you know the the rating system had just been introduced you know everyone was putting boobies and blood in there they didn't know how to do it quite right yet because no one had had any practice so of course the blood is going to look ridiculous and oh, and yeah. the and they were still going to be a little hesitant in regards to the nudity, right? Not yeah. going to see David Carradine's dick flopping all over the place, and <laughs> and and neither neither one of them are going to have an orgasm. It's just going to be body parts. You look at body yeah. qu quick cuts to body parts. I I, I love like if you, if the only thing you knew about sex was watching it in movies like this, you would assume that what happens is people take off their clothes. They roll around a little bit and then they just stop and smile. <laughs> they just, it's like, and then they just, are you, are you good? Are you done? Yeah, I'm good. They just stop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, let's go. Let's get dressed. Let's go. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it feels like the exploitation tropes are here because they have to be here because they're compulsory, not because Scorsese is particularly interested in them. Well, it had nothing um, to do with the script, really. Yeah. It feels like the thing that Scorsese cares the most about is are, are the relationships between the characters sure. um between bertha and bill and to a lesser extent you know with vaughn and and rake as long as as long as rake lasts right um, exactly and i mean and again like the movie the, it, the movie doesn't really get that deep into the relationships either but it feels like that was one of scorsese's hooks in the story like he he got he this was work for hire corman hired him to direct it he got handed this script and you can picture martin scorsese reading the script and just trying to find a way into it yeah and one of the ways in was oh the characters i can i can you know make something with these characters relationships um and you know and the crime angle the protagonists mm -hmm. are the protagonists are all they're union people and you know they become criminals but they they, they rob the railroads and they're that's fighting right the cops you know, and they're like very they're, polite when they steal jewelry and yeah. they, they don't kill nobodies. Yeah. And their enemies are like, you know, the rich people. So mm -hmm. they're like Robin Hood figures. And um, so, you know, like at first glance, the movie doesn't feel like it really fits in a whole lot with the rest of Scorsese's filmography. But there are 
elements of it that we see like themes that come back in his later work you know like sure. his his heroes are usually not are frequently criminals are people who live outside the accepted social institutions they're gangsters and thieves yeah. and, you know social outsiders um psychopaths psychopaths people who are just outside of the norm <laughs> and and are often regarded by regular society as being dangerous and mm -hmm. often are dangerous. <laughs> um, yep. And that's the case here with Bertha and Bill and Vaughn and Rake. They um they are in they live in defiance of the cops and the railroads and 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 they profit off of the railroads with their crimes for a while. Yeah. Um, and Bill Bill has some ideals. Bill has some ideals, and Bill Bill in his last scene before he gets crucified, he's telling Bertha, like the fight's not over as long as I'm alive, you know. Guess um, what? <laughs> well, the fight's over pretty soon after that. That's uh, right. Railroads win. Yeah. And, you know, I like. They don't. They eventually lose. Don't worry. Eventually they lose in a very, very big way. But yes, um, they do. Uh, but I, I like the railroads being both a lifeline and a threat to the characters. Like the, the sure. characters, the characters travel by train. Um, they make money for a while by robbing the trains and committing crimes against the railroad. Yeah. But the railroad is also the greatest threat to them because mm -hmm. the railroad is what wants to stop them from robbing it and from, you know, and from, you know, being criminals and, and it's eventually the railroad that gets bill um, because the MacGyvers work for the railroads. And that's, that's right. what, you know, that's what, that's what gets him nailed to the side of that box cart. It's so, right. I mean, it's not a great movie. No, it's, it's an interesting movie. Sure. Um, it's not a bad movie. It, it held my attention and I liked it enough to recommend it. But, uh, you know, it's I, I would recommend seeing it if you're like a Scorsese completist and you've never seen it or if yeah. you're a David Carradine fan and you've never seen it. It's, it's There's nothing sure. about it that screams out like you must see this movie right now. Not quite like a hidden gem or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But OK, you know, good enough. Sure. And interesting. If, if you do have a reason to dig it up and watch it, you probably won't be too disappointed. Shut up. Again, unless you're only, unless you're, unless you're, you're only there. Stop. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Your turn. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm only kidding. Come on. No, seriously. Go ahead. If you have no, more to say, please. No. Go ahead. I got on. nothing to say. I got nothing you else do. to say. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I know what you're going to tell them. If you're, you know, a completist and you have nothing yeah. to do, and yeah. or you're trapped, you're trapped in bed in the hospital, and it's on. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you too bad. And you want an hour. You, know. you want. You just want an hour and a half a piece away from your fucking kids <laughs> or something. You know. If you're in film school, you may get a weird teacher that loves all of Martin Scorsese's movies, even though terrible <laughs> ones. Yeah. And they'll teach like a ten-hour class on Boxcar Bertha, where they pause it every five seconds. It'll be a full semester. For semester boxcar bertha and you're they like go what through the it frame by this? frame <laughs> i'll keep mine short and sweet because we're all we're not even at an hour yet and i want to see if, <laughs> how short we can make this one <laughs> perfect uh it's not good it's it's an exploitation movie it's not going to be terribly deep the writing isn't going to be terribly good um boy oh boy they get everything wrong well not everything but i mean it's a period piece but you never see any major cities or towns they found old-timey buildings at least for shooting on the outside but as far as costumes and everything else close enough was as good as they were going to get it mm -hmm. right 
because remember they were making this on the cheap why did they live in an abandoned house making it on the cheap why were they in an abandoned whatever that was <laughs> i don't know what it was they found a like a, a factory or something they were in there for a little while yeah. and yes all of the train scenes were on the same length of track that ran for about a half a mile and they just kept reusing it at different angles why money same railroads railroad trains engines money you know at least they destroyed a, a broke down model t that they managed to pull out of a freaking you know junkyard for for one and then they found another car to, to uh, drive off a cliff that's good too hooray it's not it's i'm not gonna say it's terrible it's definitely interesting um as you're watching to see if you can see anything of scorsese in it and yes. there's a there's a couple of shots there's one shot when you're in Sartoris's office and they show this, uh, you know, the uh, the picture changing picture. And it goes uh -huh. from, yeah, I yes, can't remember, yes. the first the first guy, then it changes to George Washington as they're moving yeah. past it. And I'm fairly certain that the last picture is Nathan Bedford Forrest. Yeah. I think. I'm not sure. But that doesn't feel like that. That doesn't feel like it was in the script, nor do I think it was a demand from Roger Corman. It was just like, what Scorsese wants to show it. He thinks it's interesting. Lends character to the office, and he did it. There's a couple of interesting long shots, one down a, one down a corridor, one where the, the camera follows Bertha and Bill as they're, uh, as they're escaping from the riot he just caused. I thought it was interesting, but the rest of it is pretty rote. He had a certain amount of time to make it, right? It needs to be done in this number of weeks with this amount of money. Just do it. And that's what he did. He did it. Um, the movie was great until all of a sudden Sam Raimi started directing the film scene when um, Von Morton shows up and starts shooting everybody. Because then all of a sudden we're getting these weird shots where Von, when Von Morton shoots someone, the camera, they fly through the air with the camera following them. And when they hit the barrels, yes. did you notice that? Yes, I did. Or he's he's packing the most powerful shotguns in the world. <laughs> it knocks you back 20 feet when it mm -hmm. hits you. Except for the one guy where you're standing right in front of it, it'll lose all of his power and he just kind of falls down in the mud and he's still alive. But um those were kind of dynamic scenes. I never I've never seen Scorsese shoot anything like that ever again. And I think it's because he when he made his films under his scripts. He wanted them to be realistic. He didn't have to do that for this one. So he made the, the gunshots powerful and big and people flew a million feet. I mean, how fucking far did, did Rake fly through that train car to hit the back rail of, of the train yes. car when he got shot? <laughs> they blow him out of the car. That's right. Um, but I mean, is it so interesting that if you like Scorsese movies, you need to watch it. No, not really. It's kind of homework. Is it terrible? No. Is it um, so bad it's good? No. But is it great? No. There's a reason why not a whole lot of people like it. It made a shit zillion dollars for for Corman. Hooray. Did it get, get Marty some more experience so he can start making his own movies? Yeah, it did. And so thank you, Roger, for producing this movie. And and giving a job to Martin Scorsese. And uh, and that's it, really. So, Steve, recommend, not recommend? Recommend. Yeah, I'll recommend. I'll recommend. It's only 87 minutes long, you guys. It's exactly. not. A, it's, it's not. I mean, you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, boobies. Oh, violence. And then that'll be it. You'll be done. It'll be over before you know it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you'll have the same questions as i did why is that why is that building covered with crepe why doesn't barbara hershey ever wear underwear 
<laughs> like ever at any point in this movie. Why is she never wearing underwear? And that's it. So it's Steve. Yes. Do you have a movie you'd like to not recommend? I do. As a matter of fact, I ha- it's it's another crappy Roger Corman movie starring David Carradine. Yay! It's called Death Sport. <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, Death Race. No, oh no, Death Race two thousand. I know. Yeah. I would. I would know. Um, I wish we had watched that. It, this came after Death Race. This okay. is from nineteen seventy eight. Um, this is the movie that David Carradine later said ruined his career. How? Nothing. Oh, David Carradine? His yeah. career was ruined already. What is he talking about? <laughs> I don't know. But like even for a Roger Corman movie, I don't like I don't think this the movie didn't do very well. He didn't um, think playing Frankenstein in Death Race 2000 ruined his career. Apparently not. He okay. he said he thinks Death Sport. So what is Death Sport? Well, I'll tell you. Death Sport takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where criminals are forced to take part in a death sport. And what is death sport? Death sport is where people fight each other on dirt bikes that have lasers. Um, (laughs) So that's death sport. And of course, David Carradine plays like David Carradine plays one of the criminals. Who's drunk for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, he was always drunk. Even though you never see the character drink in in the film, he is always acting drunk. We don't understand. He gets pulled into the death sport and he ends up helping, you know, people fight the the authorities that are, you know, imposing this on people. And, um, you know, and he, 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 you know, kills the bad guy and becomes a hero. And then they they ride off into the sunset. Do you think Roger Corman has a list? with 26 slots and it says death at the front of each slot. <laughs> and then, then the next slot over, it's just the letter A, B, C, D, because you had death race. And That's then the true, next yeah. slot down would be death is sport, S, death sport. Mm-hmm. And then you have T. death T and it could be death target. That's death target. That's death and you target. can again, death target. Mm-hmm. And you could smoosh it together and make it one word, just like death sport. That's true. Death target. Death target. Death target. And he stopped at Q or something. It's like, we have nothing. Death. Death quartet. (laughs) Death. Oh, no, no. I got it. Death queen. Oh, (laughs) death queen. Starring Raquel Welch on the way down in her career. And, And what you don't know is that this is the 17th page in a pad and there's 17 pages on top of it that has the same list with death <laughs> a, through, a through z <laughs> that's how he's had such a long career well it's so i'm sorry that death sport killed it killed Gerdine. david Carradine's group but anyway that is my not and not rampant sport. alcoholism okay all right fine okay Well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. It is 1972. And a movie came out that seems like an Italian film. In fact, it was released in in Italy. It was called K? No, or I can't remember what else. But in America, it's called what? With a question mark. (laughs) Okay. It was a comedy that starred uh, Marcello Mastro Antonio. Oh, no, Mastriani. And... uh, it's garbage. It's directed by Roman Polanski. Oh. And, and it's about a woman who's naked most of the time uh, who goes to this house and meets a bunch of weird people. 
That's it. And that's, that's pretty much it. I guess that's the whole, it's a whole bunch of her being naked, her getting spanked, her getting spanked by a guy dressed as a uh, French general, um, her uh, getting undressed or just coming in and taking her top off and staring at somebody. Um, It's just a whole lot about uh, a woman getting, (laughs) getting naked and Roman Polanski Mm. cast himself as one of the characters because of course he did. Because he's a pervy freak. Yeah. Yeah. John Simon of the National Review described what as a monstrous fiasco. Now, I'm not quite sure where this takes place in Polanski's career, but I know it was before Chinatown. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Chinatown was 75. So, yeah. That's right. So somehow he bounced back from this massive heaving piece of garbage with tits on it called what? If you see it, oh, you know what? I dare you go, go to YouTube, look up what trailer, and you will see everything you need to see about what in the European trailer because they allowed for nudity. You see your tits within three or four seconds, and so it doesn't go. stop. It just keeps going. No explanation of the plot, just her wandering around, boobs, 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 spanking, upsetting stuff everywhere. Don't see it. Hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. Oh, no. And then after that, you have to make another terrible choice because the one after this next one is our Valentine's Day movie. Oh, great. It's that time of year again. It's February. And we've run out of all the unfortunate things that you like that fall into that category, with the exception of one, Roman Holiday, which you've mentioned on a number of occasions. Indeed. That's right. So maybe it'll be in the lineup so I can just fucking get rid of it. Finally, (laughs) we can go back to both of us hating a goddamn, uh, goddamn romantic comedy again. I would like that very much. Like in the old days, (laughs) like, like when we were brothers. Don't you remember them good old days? But this time there is a theme and there is it. There's one in there. There's one in there, Steve. Oh, boy. I can't wait to pick that one and see your face (laughs) drop. So for those people who have not ever listened to the show, congratulations. Um, But here is the, uh, this is when Steve picks the next movie that we're going to review. He does not know what those selections are. It's a blind choice between A, B, and C. So Steve, please. Mm -hmm. A, B, or C. Dear God, please. Please uh, guide mm -hmm. his hand. I'm not talking (laughs) to you. Jesus or above, please reach out your divine to us and let me select the correct movie because yeah, and if you choose not to listen to me, to hell with you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that and that I, I will see how strong your faith is. Okay. Because I am choosing B. Okay, B. Okay, okay. B. Okay, okay. We're going to see how this movie held up. Oh, boy. Okay. Had you chosen A, we would have watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The good oh, one. Oh, okay. Okay. The one, not the not the Johnny Depp the Gene, one. The Gene Wilder one. Yeah. The Gene Wilder one. Had you chosen C, Satan would have won <laughs> because we would have to review Free Willy. Oh, boy. But you okay. chose B. I did. A movie from a great director who's not normally known for these kinds of films, but he made a great movie that everyone saw about a little pig who's gonna get eaten (laughs) unless he proves his worth. The movie we're going to review next is the classic children's film that adults went to go see Mm -hmm. and inspired a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of quotes from this movie. The movie we're going to review next is babe. 
starring yeah. John Goodman as Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> the Bambino. The great Bambino. The great Bambino is a pig on a farm. <laughs> and James Cromwell is his manager, Farmer Hoggett. Let me get this straight. You come out here and you put all this delicious food in this trough every morning. <laughs> I love that Babe always refers to Farmer Hoggett as kid. <laughs> hey, kid. Good morning, kid. You mean all I got to do is roll around in my own filth all day, eat food out of a trough, and just get fat? It's perfect. <laughs> Consider it done. Fuck baseball. This is it. Notice I've changed him from John Goodman to just Babe Ruth. Just Babe he's Ruth. Just yeah. Babe Ruth now. <laughs> he's been he's been reincarnated as a pig in Australia pig. or New Zealand or wherever it was made. I'm not quite <laughs> wherever the fuck this wherever is. Wherever the fuck this movie was made. <sighs> and that's it. You watch Babe if you want to get all the jokes. I don't think I've watched Babe in since my children were little. I don't think I've seen it since probably the year it came out. Yeah. And then Daddy would get up right towards the end to leave to go sob in the bathroom. Because he's like, nope, kids don't get this. They don't get to see my reaction. To the end of the Leave me alone. They don't want to see their father fall the fuck apart when what's his name says that'll do pig. And it's um, that actually kicked off his career. Now, it, it definitely. And, and he'd, he'd been around for forever. Oh, yeah. He'd been like, around that, forever. That, that made now him he a was star. Like yeah. A capital yeah. A-list star. Absolutely. Kind of star Trek and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Green Mile. Yeah. You should have played uh the scarecrow in a batman movie once oh once. man he would have been perfect for that no no he's what six twelve or something that would oh my god he's like ball. fucking re- if abraham lincoln <laughs> had lived through the assassination he could have played lincoln <laughs> lincoln wasn't that tall was he no yeah I, I, yeah cromwell might because lincoln was six four i'm not sure how tall cromwell is but he yeah. might be taller than lincoln yeah who cares this is the second time we've talked about lincoln i'm tired of talking about lincoln he's taller than lincoln now i'll tell you that much guys we talked about lincoln earlier we did i don't i in don't the, think it was in the pre-show that the patrons in the pre-show get. that the patrons yeah. get we talked about lincoln at length um <laughs> i don't know if we did or not i can't remember just a little anyway bit. go see babes so we can get all the jokes and that's it Thanks, guys, for listening to one of our shortest reviews <laughs> for late seating. This is Jason. And go see a movie this week. And this is Steve. Did I ever tell you, Jason, that my dad used to own a butcher shop? No, you didn't. I yeah, didn't think your he, dad owned one. Yeah, he used to own a butcher shop and he would feed us with, you know, the meat from the butcher shop. But some nights the butcher shop would sell out of all its meat. So, you know, he would come home and he wouldn't have any meat. And I would say, but dad, what are we supposed to eat? And he would say guts and luck. So he brought home guts. He brought home guts. He chopped he, up leprechauns. How do you eat luck? And luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, what he would do is melt down a horseshoe. No, what he would what he would do is he would he would cook the guts, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and then I would say, "Where's the luck?" And he would say, "Right here." And then he would make like a sprinkling gesture with his hand, and there was never anything in his hand. But so he would just, what you were you eating know, were guts and lies. Lies, yes, guts and lies. Yeah. He couldn't throw in a four leaf clover and just say, "Here you go, kid." One time he had like just a clump of grass in his hand and he threw that in. But I think he was making fun of me. Where was your mom? Oh, she was long gone. Why was okay. (laughs) Why wasn't she helping with these meals? I just thought of the darkest joke. Okay, do it. You have to. You force me to do the dark jokes. Whose guts do you think they were? (laughs) When you're eating your uterus, you were like, this tastes like home. 
Mm. That's weird. Familiar. I can't quite place it. Familiar. Great job, Dad. (laughs) He just turns away. Won't meet. Won't meet my eyes. You know. He's just staring into the sink. Both hands gripping. (laughs) Both hands gripping the the countertop. Dad, are you going to come to the table and eat? (laughs) Just nothing. Nothing. Not a sound. Just nothing. It's not a sin if they don't. If they don't know, it's not a (laughs) sin if they don't know. So I don't I don't think cannibalism is covered in the Bible. No, I don't think they assume, they didn't think it would be a problem. I believe in this whole Bible thing, this Jesus thing, but just so long as cannibalism isn't isn't a sin. <laughs> it's it's nice and just completely unaddressed. We'll die if that's the case if we follow because it's like it's like the sixth food group as far as her <laughs> village is concerned. <laughs> Crops fail. There's no rain. What else are you going to eat? You tell y'all, that's why we have so many kids. We don't, just in case we need to eat one. It gives whole new meaning to the, to the phrase an heir and a spare, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's great, Steve. It's so nice that you practice cannibalism. Yeah. Your, your father, oh boy, I'm sending this one to him. I'm finding him. I'm finding his contact information. I'm going to go, this is what he recorded now. He's going to get a super cut of every fucking time. All, all of the fucked up stories about my dad. <laughs> That's right. I just I just want to say, I, I do want to remind everybody. I mean, it was a very successful butcher shop. Oh, I bet it was. Because, because he would he sell out, of, out of the meat. Everybody, there was no meat left. Everybody had bought it. So that's why we had to eat guts. Because that's even, all that was left. There wasn't even fat trimmings when you trim the meat. Sold out. You know how a butcher shop works, right? You cut the meat and then you sell it to the people. <laughs> no, you trim. You trim everything that you send out. Yeah, sure. Well, no, but the, <laughs> the, the trimming, the trim, the trimmings went to the animals. But what animals were being fed? The animals that were being Animal butchered. Strength. Dad, dad liked, he liked, what he liked to do is he liked to feed the animals the trimmings from the animal that they were. Okay, so but like he it, wasn't a rancher. Yeah. He was a butcher. He doesn't no, keep we had, animals. We, we, we had some out in the back. That's part of what made it such a successful butcher shop was that we, it was, you know, you oh raise your own, God. your own livestock. And it was very small. It was like a boutique butcher shop, you know? Was it? Yeah. And he didn't was... have a single head that he could come home and boil for soup. Oh, he wasn't much of a cheese. He wasn't much or... of a cook. No, I mean, he really didn't, you know, I mean, but it was okay. He rimmed it. <laughs> Chop up some guts. He he was good with handling guts. What can I say? Well, he was a wizard was, with guts. Well, he was a right. wizard with guts. He could have baked that head. He would have boiled it. You guys could have cracked open the skull and gotten to the eat. brain. Eat the eyes, the cheeks. You know, the tongue wasn't popular in the United States, at least not for American families, and still isn't to this day. But I mean, there's a lot of good meat in in a tongue. Well, but he would sell the tongue. He couldn't keep tongue in the place. Everybody wanted the tongue. <laughs> You got to know how to cook it. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, they every the only thing that came home were the four cow stomachs, the intestines. Just, yeah, yep. The the liver. Oh no, the liver is meat. That's not guts. Uh, okay, what oh, about just the, the guts, the lungs, and the heart, the trachea? No, no, they're too much. Like no, that's that. Those are like sweetbreads. You know, we don't get those. We just get the bowels. We just you get the just entrails. Get the poop makers. Is that yes, it? yes, yes, okay. yes. Just the, just the digestive system. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. And when did he chop up his hand and feed it to you? Because apparently, <laughs> you guys vacillated between nothing but guts 
or eating your mom's internal <laughs> organs. He no, he saved his hand for himself. He wasn't going to feed the hand to us. Oh, he'd be damned got, if the kids get 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 the hand. Yeah. When it got to be that to that point, he ate his own hand. He he fed himself from his hand. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing on a hand to eat. It's all bone and tendon. Well, I tried to tell him at the time, but there was no talking to him. He was mad with hunger. How many brothers and sisters did you start out with? Did I start out with? Yes. More than that I have now. <laughs> yeah, your dad's getting the super cut. It'll just be, you know, here, play this and then call me. Just play this and call me. Here's the name of a lawyer to get him to stop. <laughs> it's the name of a lawyer. <laughs> I have, to, like, I have to do i have to i have to do what you do whenever we make fun of other countries uh disclaimer <laughs> to my father seating, the late seating <laughs> podcast does not acknowledge that steve shy's father is a cannibal or ever will be a cannibal <laughs> my, or ever has been a cannibal my father is a good person who to my knowledge has never killed or eaten anyone he has raised <laughs> me successfully to adulthood so i can do this to him <laughs> This is my way of paying him back for all the he's sacrifices been, he's he made. Been doing this for nine years. Have you ever, ever heard me shit talk my father? Oh, never. No, no, never. Because I love him. <laughs> I love my father, too. I love my father very much. I, I, I just, in a very I, unique way. I love my father very much. It just so happens. I think this is kind of a funny bit. So you have to balance those things. Love sure. of father, funny mm -hmm. bit. Where, funny you know, bit. It, which one, yeah. which one wins out? It's always funny bit. It's always funny bit. Yeah. Right. I mean, eventually we're going to get that episode where you're going to imply that your father kills whores is the real Jack, the Ripper and <laughs> is the real Jack, the Ripper and time travels that he kidnapped Lindbergh's baby and ate it. You know, you're just going to come up with stuff for him. You know, he's a monster man as far as the show is concerned. As far as the show is concerned. Yes. That's right. That's right. I thought we had moved past the era where your father became the butt of the joke at the end of every episode. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to do it every week, but if, no, well, if, no, if, contractually, if, if, I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to make if an you opportunity, do it. Every... If an opportunity presents itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Shives, what's happened. If you're listening, thanks for listening, I guess. Have fun at Easter. I don't know. If it's, does, your, does your heathen family celebrate Easter with some sort of cabalistic flesh fest where you dance naked in the woods and then you fucking strangle a drifter and eat him? I mean, what... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that now. I think we should make okay. that a family. Tree. No, we usually don't do anything for Easter, but if, if we could make it like a big deal like that, you know, <laughs> we could make it a big deal, pitch yeah. it to him, pitch it to him. <laughs> okay. Have you ever thought about strangling a drifter and then eating him for, for go, Easter? Go to your brother's garage to drop off the truck and that you have, you know, you pulled a hose out just to make the excuse. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's something it's making a noise. And he and while you, while he's trying to fix the truck, you just go, you know who's worthless in society? Drifters. Drifters. What do you think? <laughs> and if he starts agreeing, yeah, they're pretty worthless. May as well eat them, huh? Long you know, be nice and subtle pause. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Long pause. You mean like the meals dad used to make? Yeah, like the meals dad used yeah, to make. Yeah, like just we, we, you know, remember <laughs> except when we used not to mom. <laughs> Except not mom. I mean, obviously, that's, you know. That's done. We She's been through for a long time. We, we, the, she's, 
That I mean, remember we, we when we cleaned out the freezer a few mm-hmm. years ago? Yeah. We found a few, yeah. You know, remember the last time we had a really short review and then we did some weird tangent about something. This uh-huh. one is a huge tangent about the cannibalism in your fucking family. <laughs> Long line yep. of cannibals, huh? Oh, it's a family tradition, yeah. You know, your grampy worked for the railroad. Cannibals and railroad men. I was just going to say cannibals. We already made men. a joke about him being one of those people that kills hobos for the real. He was a roustabout. Yeah, he killed. He was a hope that they called him killer. His nickname was killer. And There's a song you know, about him. There's a song about Shives, the hobo killer. Shives, the hobo killer. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. When he had to retire, he cried. And 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 I said, I said, Pap, why are you crying? Are you crying because you don't know like what life holds in store for you from now on? And he said, No, I'm crying because I know I've killed my last hobo. Oh. Yeah. He was, was sobbing. Perfect opportunity at Easter time to just drag a hobo into into the backyard, put him up on you know, spits. We we didn't want we didn't want Pap to think that we were like making fun of him. You he know, comes running out of the house or... like the old woman from fucking the Seventh Samurai. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got his little billy club over his head. Oh, yeah. He's hobbling towards it. Just mm, mm, your father says, "Help your grandfather." <laughs> well, that's why we didn't do it. We didn't think there was any way we could do it without being demeaning well, to him. Because yeah, like, and also you didn't want to copy uh, Akira Kurosawa. That's true. I, I didn't. I, I felt like it would have been derivative, but mm-hmm. um, but no, I, I mean, you know, by the time by the time he retired, he had bad knees and bad hips, you know, from jumping off trains and killing hobos for 30 years. Like it took its toll physically. So we you know, did really to... suck, Steve, if you found out he actually did that. Show. If that it was his actual job, really fucking suck. If you found out that that's that's why he cried at night was because that's what he did. Dad, I thought Pap was a yard master. Oh, no, mm-hmm. hobo killer. Seriously, I, I got this train set for Christmas, and Grandfather could, gr- cried so hard he couldn't breathe no more. <laughs> it's like I don't know what that's about, son. I was like, okay, don't ask me no more questions. And then he cried really hard when I <laughs> one of my army men on the train tracks and just had the train run over him. He started screaming. <laughs> and he said the train on exp- fire. It does explain that time he came home and his hands were shaking and covered in blood. <laughs> And I said, Pap, what's wrong? What happened? And he just said, fell down and walked straight into the bathroom and didn't come out for four hours. Mm-hmm. All I heard was a scream after scream. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think we should end the show? So now, that, so now, now I've defamed the note. character. I've defamed the character of my father and my grandfather. And your grandfather. I mean, my grandfather. Two people. The two grandf- people I love the most in all the world. My, my grandfather was a coalman on the railroad. All he did was shovel coal into the into the fucking engine to keep it going. So never killed no hobos. Never needed to. They never kept him away to. from <laughs> kept him in the, away from the engine compartment. <laughs> never needed to. No, I mean, well, Jesus, if they got up to the engine compartment, sure, he'd probably take a. <laughs> they probably had orders to take hot coals and just throw it right in their face. <laughs> you know what to do, fellas. Mm-hmm. Knock them out. Throw them in the furnace. We get a fuel source, and there's no evidence of anything. I, except for the maybe their powderized bones, but who's looking in there? Nobody. Who's checking? Nobody's checking. Who cares? We were gentler in California. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like back east over here, you know. Sure, no, we gave we gave hobos a sandwich when they climbed on board our train. So welcome aboard, sure. brother. <laughs> Enjoy we, the ride. And then we waited for an elevated bridge, and we kicked them out of the car. <laughs>
tracks. It, like civilized fucking people. We didn't want bodies polluting our tracks. No, no. Let the river well, take well, them to the ocean. Like, like you don't want to upset the kids. You don't no. want to upset the kids. Because that would attract the kids that come out, poke at it on a stick, and then they get hit yeah. by a train. You're asking for trouble, yeah. And then in the 60s, you had kids showing up at the railroad tracks just looking for dead bodies for something yeah. to do. They would Not walk for, 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 you know, for miles <laughs> to get there. <laughs> for days, even. For days, yeah. Because they heard there's a body that nobody's doing anything about. There's just a body laying there. That was the one part of Stand By Me that I didn't understand. Wait, the grapevine says there is a dead body by the side of the railroad tracks of a child that nobody's <laughs> doing anything about. Apparently, nobody even cares. <laughs> there's a dead child by the railroad tracks. Uh, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> Go and get him? Well, I think that the idea was was that it was a rumor rather right, than yeah. something that had been reported to. The, it wasn't because, like it, it wasn't like the people in the town all knew it. Like, should we maybe go get that dead kid? Nah, it it happen, and they're just like, oh well, that's too bad. Oh well, <laughs> train got another one, I guess. Uh, whoopsie, circle <laughs> of life. Can we end the show? I think we let's I think let's we, end the show. I think we put enough bread in this meatloaf. <laughs> Okay, thanks everybody. In uh, Steve, huh? I said thanks. Bye, every bye everybody. Bye everybody. Late seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music Rolling at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.